boils and ghouls. Turn out the lights. And keep the popcorn coming. Because it's time for another episode of Fright Fights Podcast. Fright Fights Podcast. Get ready for your gore gang. Tyler Cavett, Chris Lax, and Mike McKinney tackling horror news, reviews, and fight for their survival. Coming to you from the Fright Fights Fear Lodge. Get ready to sink your fangs into a battle that will make your blood run cold. This is Fright Fights. Is Fright Fights. Tyler, listen to what this motherfucker did to me today. Or not the, today, the other day. So the, the other day, uh, we're at work, and uh, I'm with a customer, and we're sitting under a table, and I'm doing my stuff, and I go back to the inventory room to get a device, and I push open the door, and Mike hollers at me from, like, across the room. He's like, hey, Lax. I'm like, I turn around, I stop what I'm doing, like, yeah, what's up, man? And uh, he's, like, searching his pockets. He's like, I, he's like oh, um, uh, um, and he just goes... <laughs> Flips me the bird. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> fuck you, Mike. That's hilarious. <laughs> it was serious, like a, too. You were like, yeah. yeah, dead serious. Like, across from the room, just whoop. <laughs> That's so funny. It was It's actually funny because, like, three days ago, Felicia was like, get my wallet. And I was like, where the hell is your wallet? And she was like, it's in my purse. I was like, okay. So I'm going in her purse. I'm like, I can't find it in here. I can't find it anywhere. And she's like, just bring it to me. So I bring it in. I'm like looking through it. And I just like reach it. I'm like, oh, here it is. I go. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, you're an ass. (laughs) She's good. So we're talking about our experiences tonight. Yeah. So I I thought that since we're doing a show based on haunted houses and scary locations and stuff like that the best thing to do is to just talk about experiences we've had ourselves oh i I was talking about sexual experiences yeah Uh, that's that's, that's, yeah exactly (laughs) what i was talking about (laughs) the ghost touched me (laughs) you know there's actually shows about that yeah oh my god have you you never (laughs) seen touched by an angel (laughs) all right everybody welcome back to a new episode of fright fights podcast i'm one of your co-hosts tyler and joining me is chris and mike how's it going guys what's up everyone what's up everyone been a minute got a got a great show planned for tonight everybody we have not only are we going to be doing our battle at the end of the show where we're going to battle haunted house films or scary location films but we also decided that we're going to talk a little bit about some scary experiences that all of us have had in the real life. Some either ghost experiences, just weird weird things that happen on different locations that we've been to, or just weird places in general we've, we've visited. Um, just thought it'd be a really cool idea to kind of go hand in foot with our haunted house topic for the battle. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I was gonna say nothing scarier than my ex-wife. I tell you, that was the most frightening situation. <laughs> I'll stop. I'm just joking. <laughs> Hey, I'm I'm not far behind you. 
Mike. Yeah. With yeah. <laughs> you had a really bad experience with Mike's ex-wife too. I did. <laughs> I, I, I was I actually in was, the relationship with him. It was completely open, right, Mike? I heard she was like the uh, like a shareable size, so she she was very shareable. <laughs> <laughs> Just spread oh, that goose love around, aren't we? I'm pretty stoked on the uh, the experience part, though. There, there's a there's a couple different situations for myself, so I'm looking forward to that little yeah. talk on that. Well, kick us kick us off, Mike. What what kind of experience? Yes. So growing up, obviously into movies and he got my touched father, by a I got touched by the ghost. Get the out of here, lad. <laughs> um, but no. I'm sure you have all been to this location before, but the Keith Albee, downtown Huntington, the old Keith Albee Theater. Um, I was probably 10, 11 years old, and I hated, absolutely hated going to the restroom because you had to walk downstairs. It was almost like underneath the theater. And I'll never forget, I was going to a late show um, God, I don't remember what it was. Like I said, I was 10, 11 years old. And, you know, at this time, you know, my dad let me go by myself. So I went downstairs and there's one little area where it's kind of like a sitting area before you get into the restroom. And there's like a closet. Man, like when you're using the bathroom, that area is kind of open. So it's always like an eerie feeling because you can hear the footsteps up above you. People walk into like, you know, the concession stand, um, getting a drink or what, 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 whatever. But you can also hear footsteps leading down to the restroom. But I was, I was using the restroom. I was at, at the stall and I heard the door like open. And I was like, man, that's really weird. Maybe somebody's just going into that closet. But when I finished up, I walked back in the little seating area and the door that was like closed was half open. Now, still to this day, it, it gives me goosebumps talking about it now. D it, did somebody kind of just was playing with me, walk down the steps, open up the door and run back up? I don't know, but I would have heard the footsteps that would have led down and led back up. Because like I said, it was very easily to hear the squeaky footsteps or the or the the stairs, you know, rattle and shake and 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 so what. But. Still to this day, I was frightened. And it was one of those frightened moments where, like, you couldn't move. You're just like, I just, I just stood at the door, half open. And by that time, somebody else came downstairs. And it, and it kind of woke me up. Ne I'll never forget that moment. Um, so that was moment number one for me. Keith Albee, door was shut when I went into the restroom. Door was half open when I came, out, came back into the little, uh, like, sitting area. I will never forget that moment in my life. Still to the state, it terrifies me. That's insane. I've only been in um, the Keith Albion Huntington a couple times. It has that very like spooky kind of aesthetic to it anyway, because it's like this old 19, what, 10s, 1920s theater. So just to have that setting and to know it's haunted to begin with already kind of gives me the creeps. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, it's there was supposedly like a murder that happened in the women's restroom like years, 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 years ago. But I mean, I don't know how true that is. I couldn't get any confirmation on that or any facts about that. So uh, that's kind of like maybe 
a myth, word of mouth, but just overall in general, that, that theater, just the vibes it gave off was just, just eerie, you know, I guess just an eerie sense of, you know, eerie feeling that, you know, when you would go downstairs or just walk into the, the, the Keith Abbey by itself, um, it was just scary still to this day. I mean, there are plays that happened in the, the Keith Alley, but I haven't been in years. I haven't been since there was an actual movie. So that's been a long time. Oh, yeah. I think, um, see, I've been thinking about my personal experiences with ghosts, and I can't say I've necessarily had, like, a straight-up paranormal experience. But I have had things that seems extremely close to that. And the one that really still kind of haunts me to this day I always think about, and I swear this this story is true. It sounds almost like movie like because it's it it's not even like it's hard to believe. But um, I was actually in Williamsburg, Virginia, and obviously the the history of Williamsburg is extremely you know it's been five hundred years of like insane deaths and you know it was actually like at one point it's like the Supreme Court even was basically there, and they would pretty much execute people every moment of the day like hourly and there's been millions and millions of deaths over the years so in true fashion of myself i went on a ghost tour because i always try to go on ghost tours when i'm in these places and it was one of the more intricate ones so they actually used real ghost hunting equipment and we walked around colonial williamsburg and they came there was basically several houses we visited but the one house that really, really, really like stood out during this trip was um I forgot who it was exactly, but it was it was known as like the most haunted house in Williamsburg, like the most. And there had been multiple deaths, multiple apparitions seen, so on and so forth. So we all get there and I'm holding this device. I actually looked it up to make sure it wasn't completely messing it up, but it's a multi-channel radio. And basically what it does is it scans through radio channels like super quickly. So it picks up on like different words that's being said throughout the radio channels in the area. And these radio channels kind of like piece together words, like sometimes even sentences if it lines up just right. And what it is, is the, the entity, the apparition, the ghost, it's supposed to be able to use energy from that radio source to piece together sentences and words to speak to you. And I was holding this device and we was with the tour guide because obviously they knew a lot about the history and all the stuff that had happened. (coughs) I was holding this device as he was telling the history outside of this house and we got closer to where we were right by the window. And he told us that next to that window, there was a demonic force that they it was confirmed it wasn't a ghost um they had men, like multiple priests they've had multiple people they said they had one person um that went in that was like all big and bad and acted like he wasn't scared and apparently he got like scratched and everything like they've had, they had like documented proof of this and i know it sounds crazy but the moment he started talking about it the moment we got closer to that window where that demonic force was supposed to be my two-way radio started going crazy And it starts like going through every single channel. It starts like not making any sense at all. And then it just shuts off and goes completely dead. And the tour guide, I'm like, I told the tour guide, I was like, you know, my radio went dead. And he comes over. He's like, I don't know. That's weird. It was on a full charge. You know, we charged them before every single tour. 
let me see what's going on. He tries to turn it back on. He tries to mess with it. And he threw his hands up after like five minutes and said, it's, I don't know. I've never seen this before. It's absolutely just dead. And he said, I'm sorry about that. And I was like, oh, well, that's exactly what we wanted to hear. You know, obviously this is going to be a demonic force, obviously. Right. And he was like mm. kind of tapping it off. But truly I knew what that really probably was. And while I didn't necessarily see anything, I do have like pictures. I don't know if it'll even come across, but like outside of this house, you can kind of see like they had like, let me try to like zoom in for you guys. They even have like, I got like this little orb. There was no lights at all there. So it's just a random like orb floating. So I did, I did pick up on some random stuff there. And a lot of people felt the strange energy and just hearing the stories alone was enough to really creep you out to know you're in that presence of a potential demonic force. And the validation that we needed on the trip was obviously, you know, my radio went completely dead the moment they started talking about it. So that was pretty chilling. Um, that's probably my most terrifying experience I've ever had. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's crazy. I know. Yeah. No, but you- mine has mine has to deal with a, a place that I visited as well. So here in Kentucky, there is quite a few places that are known as haunted locations and one of the world's scariest locations or the one one of the scariest or should i say the one of the most haunted locations in the united states is the waverly hill sanatorium in louisville kentucky and i've visited that place multiple times i've done um, half tours full night tours everything and there was one particular moment from this uh, from one of the visits that i did that really really creeped me out and really scared me and on the third floor well if people doesn't know what waverly hills is it is a tuberculosis hospital that um, they would take people that was um diagnosed or on the verge of dying or just random things they didn't know what was going on with them they put them in the hospital and when someone died they there was this giant tunnel that was attached to the building and they would basically just when someone would die from tuberculosis, they would just dump their body down that tunnel and it would go out away from all the patients so that nobody else would see them being wheeled out or ambulances coming in. And they would just like a, a, a hearse or something would come by once a day and just gather up all the bodies that had died and take them away. And there was I believe they said that there was over 50,000 people who had died at that hospital and um the the show ghost hunters ghost adventurers both have been there visiting that location multiple times there was a movie film there about it as well called death tunnel um but uh from my visit that i had we were visiting the third floor and this was probably around like midnight to one o'clock in the morning and the third floor is um the building itself is kind of like a curve so the center of the fit of the building is completely pitch black. No light comes in from that area. And what they do is there's no power. There's no electricity to the building. At least whenever we were there, there was not. So they would send you up to the third floor and they say, this is where you see shadow people. So if you look down the hallways, it looks like there are shadows of people walking from side to side, back across the floor. So back across the rec, going from room to room. And you can't really judge for yourself unless you're kind of, unless somebody is at the other end to kind of know that there's nobody down there. So they asked for a volunteer. And of course, me being the one who was interested in all that. Sure. Why not? I'll go ahead and do it. I'll, I'll walk down hmm. there. So the, the tour guide says, okay, just go ahead and take a walk. And whenever I tell you to stop, just stop, turn around 
and hold your arms straight out. That way, everybody that's back here will know exactly what you are. You'll they'll see your outline and they can see stuff that will move between us and you. And I was like, okay, sure. So I'm walking and I mean, I'm probably walking for like a good like two minutes down this hallway. And I mean, abandoned building, right? Like it was already scary enough. And finally he says, stop. And I'm in the middle where this curvature is. So on my end, it's just pitch black behind me and, and pitch black in front of me. I just so happened to stop in the middle of this doorway of this room. That's an open room. There's no windows or anything. It's just an open room. And I'm just stopped and standing there with my arms straight out. Now, as they're down there talking, I could hear them talking about like, hey, do you all see the, the shadows moving and, and all this? And people are asking questions like, hey, is he moving? Because I see something and I'm just standing there completely still. And I, I feel like this this presence, almost like somebody was in the room that was standing next to me. And it felt like somebody was walking out of the room. Like, you know, that feeling you get when someone enters a room or leaves a room, just that presence of someone leaving or coming in and it was that presence so as i'm standing in the doorway it feels like someone is getting closer and closer to where they exit out of that room come straight toward me and obviously i can't see anything it's pitch black and then the front side of my body goes straight cold and the back side of my body goes straight cold while the front stops being cold it was as if someone moved through me and came, like went just right, right through me and just continued walking down the hallway. And I had an immediate culture. Like I shivered, like I could feel my whole body shiver. Oh, man. And then right when that happened, the feeling of the presence in that room was gone. It was like, nobody was there anymore. And um, whenever uh, they hollered, the tour guy hollers for me to come back. I walked back down. I told him what had happened. And he said, that's really strange that you say that because whenever uh, right before we called you back, uh, people were claiming down here that they were seeing shadows moving right where you were standing at. And I just, I couldn't explain it. I have no idea what happened or what I felt or what I saw, but it was really, really scary. Dude. It's, it's creepy, man. Like, I don't know how you, I, I would not volunteer. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, it's, it's what's crazy is like, if you're from Appalachia or the Appalachian area and you obviously know, Waverly Hills and it's like this kind of like looked upon thing by everybody in Appalachia is like being you know the most scary place really and it's crazy because the body shoot I remember reading something it was like you know the reason that they would use that body shoot and they would take all the bodies at nighttime to like you know the hearse um, was pretty much because they were trying to hide how many people were like truly dying so like they don't know like they say like fifty million possibly they were saying you know it might be like fifty thousand not fifty not fifty million but fifty thousand people, um but they were like claiming like ten to fourteen thousand and it's like insane to know like thirty five thousand people could be completely unaccounted for or something like that, so yeah, yeah. it's crazy, yeah and if you do research if you look into it the the building itself has. I mean, over a hundred different types of cases of paranormal activity. We're talking like every, almost every room or every floor has some type of story associated with it. Um, there's like stories associated with a pregnant nurse that had thrown herself or her baby down the, uh, the elevator shaft. Um, so like when you go to the elevator shaft, you're supposed to hear the baby cries and you're supposed to see the nurse. And it's, I mean, there's, I mean, every little room has a story behind it. And to, if you go to this place and you go to this tour, 
and you hear all these different stories and being at this location, it's, it's very, very, very cool and weird to experience. Hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, you can even just like if you YouTube it and see it, even it's just, it's insane. Yeah. There's, there's a documentary about the entire paranormal um, experiences there. It's done by the Booth brothers. It's called uh, the ghosts of Waverly Hills. Um, hmm. Spooked. It's called Spooked, the ghosts of Waverly Hills. Excellent documentary. Really, really creepy. If you get a chance to check it out, I highly recommend to watch it. Nice. I'll have to check that out because I really I like the lore behind Waverly Hills. So definitely. But uh, I'm sure the viewers may be wondering why we're telling the ghost stories. And that's because we have a really cool topic tonight. Um, it's kind of like basically how the house could have its own kind of character in the film. Haunted houses, ghost stories, all that kind of stuff. So look forward to that later. But before, I thought we could chat a little bit about the movies that we saw this week. Yeah. What all uh, you yeah. Who wants to kick us off? Well, Tyler, I know that you watched a movie that I'm very interested in hearing your opinion on it. It is a very stupid but fun, cheesy <laughs> 80s horror film. It's called The Invisible Maniac. Oh, I've yeah. loved this movie since I was little and renting it from the video store and uh, you had never seen it. So I'm curious, what did you think? You had just watched it. Yeah. So I got the new vinegar syndrome transfer. So I thought it would be the perfect chance to, to check it out. Cause I knew that you love this movie and you always told me you did. So I knew I needed to watch it. Please but, uh, tell me you like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is like, okay, I don't even know if I could give it a review because it's so like goofy and I was watching it and I at first I was like, wow, this is just really, really, really missing it for me. But something really ha like <sighs> something happens halfway through, where he becomes the what's his I forgot the guy's name in it, but he becomes invisible finally as the killer, and that's when it gets really cool, and that's when it gets interesting. And I always I, I actually was watching one of the bonus features, and they interviewed the director, and he was talking about how it was meant to be completely like oblivious, just fun, like goofiness. It wasn't really supposed to be, you know an Oscar winning picture by any means. So it was very self-aware. I appreciate that about it. I thought it was funny. Um, the sandwich scene is still my favorite personally. Um, the guy, he like kills the guy with the sandwich. And I think it was, it was goofy in the way that Jack Frost was like, it felt, it felt like Jack Frost, not being Jack Frost. So, yeah. So it's like you said, it's definitely self-aware. So yeah. the, the movie itself is basically a invisible man, ripoff but just done with a very low budget very cheesy self-awareness to it and it's about this guy who is a insane doctor who's put away in a mental institution for being insane and when he gets uh, he finds a way to escape that's the beginning of the film as he escapes and he creates this serum to make himself invisible and so <laughs> what a better way to to take advantage of being invisible than to go into a high school and take advantage of being able to spy on the high school cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what he does. So like as a, you know, as a kid, I, I was watching this as a kid, you know, and you're talking about like watching the most sleep, like cheesiest, sleaziest oh film you can think of as a kid. It was <laughs> so kid. much fun. Cool. Um, and it, what makes it fun is that 
when he's invisible, it's not like you still see an outline of him where they just say he's invisible. No, there's no one there, and all the actors are acting as if someone is. So when someone's getting choked by by something, they are literally holding something up to them or reacting as if they were getting choked with no one there, and it's so <laughs> freaking hilarious. And they do an amazing job at how bad it is. Well, bad in a good way. Also, yeah. as Chris said, he watches as a kid. The guy, the main character, is extremely like sex charged because as a kid in the yeah. movie, if you remember like the very opening scene, the kid spying on like his what like like the neighbor or something. I don't know, and that's what makes him kind of like go insane in a way. Like he kind of he that, that's like what initially like brought it on. It seemed like so it's just like years and years later to know that like he finally gets out of like a mental institution. Um. In that opening scene where they're like criticizing him, that that, that guy was kind of goofy. But then it went through this like this stage, like you know, I'd say like twenty five percent through whenever he gets to the college or the high school. Sorry, um, it kind of like dies down for me a little bit in terms of comedy or really working as a film. But halfway through, if you if you can stick around for like forty minutes, I think that it's so fun, and I think that's that's the yes. Reason. I, I agree. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We agree on a cheesy <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah, we we do. I I, I can understand this was completely self aware, and I think that knowing that it's self aware, I I can respect it more. So I will give it a good score. I'll give it like a five out of ten. How about that? Okay, okay. Well, I was worried because I I think my like form is based off nostalgia. I grew up watching this and and having to you know sneak the movie in because it was you know rated you know the cover art shows like half naked girls on it right so you you're thinking as a kid how am I supposed to get this past my parents so <laughs> it'd be like one of these things you had to find a way to sneak that movie through the rental stores to like to get it to go and um, just a lot of nostalgia comes with it just being able to to watch it again on in high definition and because it was never available on DVD um it was never available on blu-ray before so this was a first time release in the u.s from vinegar syndrome so it was really cool and i'm glad you got to check it out so i was worried that you watching it as an adult would not play off the same as it would be if you had seen it as a kid yeah i can, I can kind of see oh. that as a nostalgic kind of film as well and i know it was like super hard to find so i definitely recommend anybody that's a fan of like fun kind of like cheesy you know goofy it's not horror by any means really it, i mean it has it's like it has invisible man roots like we talked about but it's really it's not necessarily horror it's like this more is like uh 80s uh, kind of screwball kind of like sex I can see it. it's like the most oh, right, 90s right. film too because i just see like everything i always think it's an 80s film and it surprises me that it came out in 1990 but i mean obviously it was probably shot in you know 88 89 yeah, it was. Yeah, it was shot in. It was shot in eighty. I believe it was eighty nine that was shot and released in in ninety. Uh, I keep forgetting that it was released. I keep feeling like it's an eighties film because it feels like an eighties film. It does. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool, Mike. I think you would enjoy it for for stupid reasons, like I do, just because it's so silly. I mean, heck, yeah, Mike, you would really yeah. like this. I think you would dig well, it. Uh, what was what was the name of it again? What was the title? The Invisible Maniac. The Invisible Maniac. I yeah. will put that on my list to watch. It's an Adam Rifkin film, which I think that he he's done like only like goofy stuff, right? He hasn't really done anything that's too. Yeah. I, oh, at the time too, he uh, I guess he was doing an alias because I didn't know if he wanted his name to be associated with the film. So it, I, as director credit, it was listed as like Riff Coogan or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like director Coogan. alias. 
Yeah, yeah, I heard him in the, if you watch that bonus feature on there, Chris, he's like, yeah, I was going to like make all these like kind of like goofy, like stupid kind of films underneath the like pseudonym, you know, Riff, Riff Cougar or Coogan or Cooper, yeah. whoever it was. There's a lot of those, like Riff Coogan is one of them. Riff Coogan. I yeah. can't remember who else used them, but um, Alan Smithy is one that people use when they were wanting to use an alias besides themselves. So Alan Smithy, if you ever see that, that's not a real director. That's an alias from someone. That's hilarious. I love it. Huh. <clears throat> what have you seen? Interesting. Uh, well, I have watched that recently added a uh, slasher film called Sick on Peacock. Um, <clears throat> have you seen it yet? I have. Yes. Okay. I so haven't seen it. I there's two ways I look at this film. I think one way they're kind of like making fun of the pandemic, and there's a lot of like. There's there's a lot that's in this film that's relating like just in general making fun of the of pandemic of of them saying oh stay back six feet eight feet put put your mask on there's a lot of contradicting uh, messages in, in you know in the movie where put your mask on then next thing you know that people have their mask off but but back to the overall point of this movie it's your typical just kind of slasher um, film. I I enjoyed it. Um, basically, it's just uh, uh, two friends that go to a cabin to kind of get away from the pandemic. Uh, I think they're in college, so they just they're shutting down the uh, the university because of of COVID, and they're kind of getting away. They're kind of quarantining themselves on a uh, I think it's a family lake house, and uh, they're just getting away. And um, randomly the one girl's boyfriend kind of shows up unannounced to kind of, you know, I guess they're trying to fix their relationship and they're trying to work on things is kind of maybe what I got out of it. Um, but the, the friend of the girl did not want him there, but in general, he ended up staying the night. So creepy things kind of happen. Uh, there's really, I was confused with the plot of it in the beginning. I didn't know why the murders were the murders were happening, especially uh, why they were trying to attack these these girls. And um, so, you don't really get the idea of it until kind of towards the end. Obviously, so last twenty minutes of the movie, it kind of ties the whole film in why this murderer. Um, is trying to attack these girls. Well, the actual, the one female. And she, I don't want to spoil it because it is recently newer. So there's probably a lot of people that has not seen it. But um, it was your typical slasher. Like it, the storyline wasn't great. But then again, the twist at the end to make it all like relate on why everything was happening, I liked. Um, the murders, the, the, the scenes were. I mean, it was well shot movie, uh, well well shot. Um, it kind of gave you the um, the vibe of Friday the Thirteenth, because kind of like the log cabin, you know, kind of out in the woods somewhere. And then your typical like I wouldn't say scream slasher. Um, I'm trying to think of a good comparison. Well, listen, guys, I I'll start by saying that this film I really enjoyed much more than yeah. I was going to. I was yeah. going in with the lowest of low expectations. 
almost saying I wasn't going to watch it because Peacock's like notorious for disappointing everybody. Because if you think about it, they've only made one original film up to date, and we know how that turned out. They them, um, it's all my it was Mike's worst film of the entire year. It was I think it was oh, one of my worst films. I think it was, it was Chris's worst. Everybody hates that movie. Yeah. So whenever I see Peacock um, original and then see that they're doing a horror film and it's called Sick and then you read the tagline and it's like, oh, well, it's about the COVID-19 pandemic. You're just expecting absolute dash cam meets they, them meets, you know, who, who gives a shit. You know what I mean? It's just like whatever. Um, so I sat down and watch it and I think that you were 100% right by saying scream, Mike. I um I was sitting there watching it, and I, I look over my fiance, and my fiance looks at me, and she's like, you know, this feels almost like scream without being at the yeah. You know, well, it's written it's written by Kevin Williamson, right? I was about to say that. Um, I was shocked to know that Kevin Williamson wrote this, um, which is the yeah. writer for Scream. He wrote Scream Two, Scream Three. He's been producer of Screams. So the, just to know that while the film itself, I will go ahead and spoil and say it's cliche as hell. Um, yeah. In terms of a slasher movie, but I think this is the first true blue full fledged COVID film. Like I've never seen, you know, you you've, I've seen movies like Glass Onion, um, Knives Out Story, or you know, Dash Cam, where it takes yeah. place during COVID and COVID lockdowns, but we never really have seen a horror movie um up to today that's truly just been straight up about covid and this kind of shows like the insanity of how people were during the pandemic um you know how people a lot of people were angry you know a lot of people were trying to point fingers you know at people you know don't get my family sick kind of thing that's kind of how this felt it felt very much yeah like, i don't know but when it starts out you're you are kind of confused because you don't really know the motivation and you're like why is this person being stalked you know and a grocery store it has Chris, you, I think you're like really gets funny at the very beginning because it has some really goofy scenes about the pandemic, <laughs> and they're like, you just like hear they're at the grocery <laughs> store, and you hear like over the loudspeaker, they're like, keep six feet apart, people, keep that. That it's just it just is very COVID like, and it shows the ground where it has like the spacers and like the single way kind of like aisles, so it you can like everybody in the world can relate to this movie because everybody's lived it. But the yeah. thing that makes it really well, interesting is the cabin, and the cabins when it gets cliche. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Well, I haven't seen it yet, but there was only one thing I did watch a trailer to it, and there's the one thing that kind of puts me off from it is basically the whole premise of it being the COVID, because you know we dealt with all that bullshit for two like two years. So whenever you watch a movie, you want to escape from all that bullshit that you have to deal with in a daily life. So when you sat down to watch a movie and then you're seeing all that stuff take place, it just kind of, to me, it's a little off-putting. Like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see people with masks on. I don't want to deal with all that while watching a movie. So the fact that somebody in the movie is, the whole entire movie is about that. Like, it, to me, it's kind of off-putting. But I mean, I, I guess I have to watch it and see for myself. I, but Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. I can understand how that would put somebody off from wanting to watch it. But whenever you, whenever you actually see it, it's like, it feels, see, it does this thing where it starts out very heavy on COVID. Then it kind of goes away a little bit yeah. and becomes a slasher. At the end, it loops back around to COVID. And that's how, yeah. but you had to understand, like, this film, I, I it's obviously very stupid to call it sick because it's so on the nose. But honestly, it suits it perfectly because of the very last 20 minutes of this film, and it flies by, it's like 80, 85 minutes long or something. 
So it's a really short, tight-knit slasher. There's no not an ounce of fat on it. It flies from the moment it starts to the moment it ends. Um, yes. The last 15, 20 minutes, though, it really it makes sense why they called it sick. And I think that I don't want to spoil yep. it for you, Chris, because it's going to be really, it's it's kind of a, it's a predictable ending, but it's also the same time, sort of not predictable because something happens a little over halfway through and you're like, wow, this is such a on the nose, boring, pretentious, like kind of like idea for a slasher film, putting it during COVID, you know, who cares, whatever. But something happens, Mike, you know, what I'm talking about, the last 15 minutes, something gets revealed, and that's why it's called Sick. And that's all I'll say with that. But it's it's by far a perfect movie. I'm not saying it's a great movie. I'm not saying it's even really quite a good movie, but it's a nice, solid, like, you know. It's Chris, we're talking about Peacock here. What can we Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will add this, though, about the movie. It, Like you said in the beginning, it starts off, really fast paced i mean it does not take very long at all for i mean the movie to kick start uh i mean your first killing and 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 after that it does not really slow down and it kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat like it's it has some jump scenes and man you're kind of glued to the tv and before you blink you're like oh my god it's almost over it was <laughs> it was it was really fast paced like you mentioned but I thought it was a well-put-together slasher. Um, there were a lot of scenes where you're like, man, where, where's the killer? Oh, shit, there he is, like, out of nowhere. Um, there's, one, there's one scene, and I'm not going to give it too far on spoilers, but, like, my thing is the lake scene. I'll just go there. It was, it, it was creepy. It was, it was very well played out, and I haven't really seen – many movies with with some of the killings in like like it was with this and i just thought it was a well done movie um like I, like you mentioned as well i i don't think it was top notch definitely wasn't low budget either it was very well shot and i thought the acting was was great yep. for for a slasher um, and the killings the killings were pretty phenomenal um but i'll leave it like that leave it there because like i said with all due respect, I don't want to leave, you know, put everything out there because of lax and then other viewers. But um, I guess we'll just get down to the rating. My, me personally, I gave this a six out of 10 um, just for the simple fact I was not expecting much and I was completely shocked. I also gave it a six out of 10. So that's, that's crazy. We're right on, right on side by side. Yeah. And that's how I feel like a lot of people is with this. Like, it seems like a lot of people are like, you know, I liked it a lot more than I should have. <laughs> I was surprised that Kevin Williamson wrote it. Um, yeah, action... I'm gonna have to check it out. It's it sounds sick. <laughs> oh my god! All right, we got that's that's fright fights, guys. We'll see you next time. Have a great one. <laughs> but speaking of, Mike was talking about like blinking and then the movie being over with almost. Is I watched a movie where literally you blink and the movie was going to be over because it was 45 minutes long. Oh god. Um, so I was kind of searching for found footage movies. I was in the mood to watch something uh, in that nature. So I decided to, to do a little search and I came across a movie called 13. And if you're looking for it, it's spelled out in like Roman numerals. Um, so X, I, 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 or whatever. And it's about these two guys who are 
university students and they're given an assignment to research a book and do like a video diary based off that book. So they have to research it, videotape themselves researching it, and then talk about it on film and then come to a conclusion of something. I'm not sure what the full thing was they were supposed to do for the assignment, but so they go to the, they go to this library and while they're in the library, they, they find this book while they're looking through all these other history books and everything. And it's like this journal book that's shoved back behind other books. And so they pull it out and they're like, what the hell is this thing? This is weird. This isn't supposed to be here, is it? And there's no like library information on it or anything. There's all kinds of these symbols and emblems and everything on it. And with this little poem and drawings. So like, this is really creepy. So they start opening the book and reading it. And on the back of the book, there's these Roman numerals that are all written out in spaces, which they think represents coordinates. So they thought, hey, let's check this book out. Let's do our assignment on this book because basically a teacher said it could be any book from the library and this is from the library. So let's do it. So they they type in the coordinates. They they decide that Google Maps pulls it up and it pulls out some unknown location for them. So they're like, let's 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 take a trip. We're going to go and visit this place and document what we find. And it turns out it was like an abandoned building. They go inside at nighttime to videotape everything and really creepy things start to happen. But my only problem was I really liked the story, but it wasn't long enough. I told Mike when I got done watching, I said, I really enjoyed what I saw, but I wish there was more to it because it's a buildup and you're interested in the story. You're, I was following through the entire time and interested. And then you get to that buildup. And then by the time the buildup happens, the movie's over with. So it was really quick. It was only about 10 minutes left of the movie when stuff started really happening. And then it was over with and there was nothing there left, which works for it at the same time because you, you're left wanting more. You don't know what's happening. You don't know what everything. You don't know a conclusion. And in a situation where if somebody was videotaping something, they go to a abandoned place and they something happens and they, you know, they get killed or whatever or something, something of that nature happens. There, it's not going to be a full story. You're going to watch it and it's going to be cut off. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was well done uh, for a, it's not really a short film. I guess it considered a feature length, but something cool that I watched that was just kind of uncertain. I didn't know anything about it and went into it, not knowing anything and came out, you know, kind of enjoying it. I'd recommend it. It's on oh. Tubi. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds yeah. I like it because it's 45 minutes and whenever it comes out of like, <laughs> you know, being the shorter, the better. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> No, honestly, that's what they say. Are, that's uh, what they say about. That's what they say about Mike's dick. Uh, <laughs> well, Mike's like no comment. Um, no, no comment. I beg to differ. <laughs> but guys, like, there's something about found footage movies that's like, I want to see a found footage movie that like starts like at the end and then goes back to the beginning or something. It does something where there's something about it to where it's just like, you see a found footage and it's just like, you know, let me introduce you to this person. Let me introduce you to that person. Let's look at this. Let's look at that. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. I'm like, man, you know, just give us the build. Don't give us any build up. Just go right into it. And that's why everybody here should watch dash cam. You know, you, you know, it'd be cool. Like Blair Witch, for example, start from the basement where, you know, they found the dude in the corner, like facing the, you know, the, the found footage there. Um, just reverse roll. That would be pretty cool. That'd be very interesting. That, <laughs> like that's a, actually uh, good. A horror version of Memento. Yes. See, I mean, Ooh. it's just like, 
That's we good. need like if you're into a found footage and like That's especially good. 2023, you need to do something hmm. else. We're I'm I'm just and don't give us I know I was joking around, don't give us dash cam. We don't want to see that. No. We have VHS. Or at least or at least take the chick out of it. <laughs> <laughs> the most annoying human ever. I must all I must I say the thing is it's funny because I'm like saying how much I hate dash cam all the time, but then I always like bring it up in jokes. Like I'm talking like it's a good movie or something. I'm like, I promise guys, it's actually really bad. Just don't watch it. But I also can't stop talking about it. So well yeah that's it was a really cool found footage film. I I recommend anybody checking it out. And yeah, it's real short, so you're not gonna mm-hmm. waste a lot of time with it. But with that, I mean Tyler, it's I think it's I think it's time to battle. I have one more done done Oh fuck! Rewind. Because I have the hottest movie in theaters right now, and she is stunning. She is smart. She is made from titanium. This is Megan. Neither of you guys have watched this yet, have you? No, I'm telling you, there is a scene, and if you guys look at TikTok, you'll see. I sent this to Chris too. She literally sits there and sings Titanium in the movie Megan. The Megan doll does. Like Megan sings the song David Guetta Titanium in the movie Megan. Yes, that is real. Really? Yeah. That being said, though, you have what? to understand Megan definitely doesn't take itself serious. So I, I'm, okay, go ahead, I am stuck on this because I like a lot of stupid stuff. Like the dumber, the better for me, right? The cheesy, the better. And this movie looks to be some of the, like, it looks absolutely dumb to me. Like, I had no interest in it. But then everybody that has watched it has said how good this movie is. Like, I have not heard one bad review about this film. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I asked Chris, I was like, Chris, um, you know, you want to you you come see it with me this weekend? And he was like, you know, I want to have to pass. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's just like a lot of people think that it was going to be really, really bad. I was one of them. I knew for a fact that this film was going to be just horrible. That being said, I mean, it you have to understand, okay, James Wan has been producing a lot of these films. And the thing is, is that for Blumhouse especially, he's been producing a lot of films. But the thing is, is I feel like James Wan doesn't necessarily have a lot to do with these films. But this one, he wrote. Which is a little step up. So he's not just producing it, he's writing it as well. So the big thing is, yes, it, it, Megan, it's the doll. You've probably seen all the Today Show videos where they hired a bunch of backup dancers to, to dance and whatever. But the thing is, is that it has this kind of edge that's very comedic. It doesn't take itself too serious. It's not necessarily played straight edge. But the thing is, it's not stupid. Like It's not like goofy comedy. Like, it's played like a straightforward, like, horror comedy, like, dark comedy, you could almost say. Hmm. And there are there are some scenes that you're kind of like, you know, ooh, you know, it's kind of has a lot of, like, horror edge. Um, Overall, I think that it was about as good as I thought it was going to be after the hype. Because if you remember, everybody was like, it's going to suck, it's going to suck, it's going to suck. It comes out opening day and people's like, it's actually kind of good. So I adjusted my expectations and said, you know, let's just give this thing a shot. I get there. I kind of enjoyed it. It's very predictable. Um, the Megan doll itself is kind of weird, but it feels very today. 
it's like one of those films is not necessarily like stuck because you know like whenever you you watch like these films that have technology in it and the technology seems either a like military grade like stuff that would never happen it seems like or it seems like it's like completely outdated kind of goofy technology you know what i'm saying but megan does feel like something that could be real and um the fact that you know we hear all these stories about like how google has been designing this thing it's become a satiate being and it has feelings and all this stuff megan kind of plays on that the idea maybe technology you know is too advanced maybe it has a mind of its own you know because there are moments in the film where you see the mom try to turn off megan at certain times and megan refuses to turn off um and she just keeps talking keeps like trying to like almost threaten like she's almost being condescending to the family so overall it's interesting um it's not great but it's definitely not bad it's it's probably i would put it on the same caliber as sick i mean it's a very well shot it's well acted i laughed a couple times um there was a few times i kind of jumped so i think it really does succeed at creating an atmosphere that is both it could be scary to people it's like one of those movies for the masses so it's like a movie that like you know general people who would just go to the movies to have fun not necessarily like a cinephile or into kind of horror movies of any kind they're just there for a good time and that's kind of like what it is it's a movie you go see probably a lot of teenagers too would go see with like their friends and you know it's just it's 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 for a party so overall um i would probably give it about a six six and a half but But i read an interview i would recommend it so I read an interview with a director and he was talking about how his original cut was um, a lot more violent. There was a lot of gore. There was a lot of language in it. And he wanted to appear appeal to more of an audience. So they trimmed it down to a PG-13. Mm-hmm. And after releasing the film in theaters, he said a better way to do this to tell the full story is to have an uncut version that I want to release on okay. DVD and Blu-ray. I found this on the web for he said, check it out. Okay, Megan oh. just came to your house, Tyler. Dude, was that you or is that Mike? Someone's no. dying. What's going on? That was me. <laughs> I, I thought that was Lax's uh, sex doll. I mean, seriously. <laughs> you want me to do what? <laughs> that was creepy. Nice. That, speaking of ghosts, that was really freaking creepy. That was. <laughs> Come on, Zoom. <laughs> hmm. All right, sorry, Chris. What was it? Megan paid us a visit. Um, yeah, I just, I'd read the word he wants the, the original R rated cut to be released on DVD, Blu-ray and home video for more of an audience to be able to go see it, um, that way to see its full intention. And I believe he was talking about if they get the ability to make a sequel, which I think has already been greenlit, that they're going to try to go for a more violent version than they did from the first one. Mm -hmm. They're calling it Megan 2.0, which I think is interesting. But hundred percent, Chris. Hmm. I think that's. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. It's it's a hundred percent because it's PG thirteen. There's a lot of moments that you see held back. Um, the violence could be a lot more bloody or a lot more violent, but it's not. So I do think that I didn't even mention this, but one of the key issues is the fact I think that it's PG thirteen, and it would have been a lot more successful and more interesting if it wasn't R rated film. And if if Megan two when it comes out is R rated. I could see it being amazing. I could have seen this one being amazing if it was R. And I mean, knowing James Wan, he probably did initially want Megan to be rated R. But when you have a movie like like it's been marketed, 
it makes sense financially that the studio would want to make it PG-13. Because how many teen horror is there nowadays? And this is Blumhouse, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, okay. And for a PG-13 PG Blumhouse, because Blumhouse has made some PG-13, but it's always... I mean, they're always almost are like 90% of their films, it feels like. So the fact that Megan is a piece of their team, I I can see why they did it. And I think it's nice to have that kind of, you know, variation of ratings. But Megan was definitely not the film to make it with. They should have just done a piece of their team Halloween, honestly. I think that'd be a lot better. Hmm. Wow. You guys didn't see Mike's. I, was, I just, I just, I'm I was, just like, wow. I was no, messing just, with you. I was messing with I'll, you. Could you imagine I'll, a PG 13 Halloween? Um, well, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's why I was speechless. I was like, I, I could not even put that in in my mind. That's it was the funny. same. Like, Chris I mean, was like, huh. we were, we were like, huh? Yeah, like that's that's a weird yeah, opinion yeah. there, Tyler. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want. I didn't want to be like disrespectful. I was like, no, that sucks. <laughs> we are back and we have just watched the Scream 6 trailer. What'd you guys think? I loved it. What I think. For... You go, Tyler. I think it looks absolutely amazing. I think the casting is brilliant i think it looks incredibly dark i think it looks exciting it feels very much like one of the darkest screen movies and i think that it seems very fun it kind of went back to how it reminds me like how the first movie you know really kind of brought on an entire atmosphere cast of characters and it just seems like it's almost doing that again for us yeah it feels different it feels intense it really really catches my attention with every little detail like a throwback to the first films even the second film too but i mean whenever you have that shrine there's that phone the phone from the first movie is there she uses that phone and uh, to pick up like the call or that the ghost face uses to call gail yeah. uh, it's just a lot of cool like the dial tone and everything from it is from the same from the first movie uh it's there's a lot of really cool stuff about it i'm really looking forward to it the only thing that bothers me, and it's not really a bad bother, but it kind of confuses me a little bit. Ghostface always kills his victims. He picks them out specifically. Like there's a reason behind every single person that Ghostface kills. And then in this one, that random person in the supermarket that he shoots with a shotgun and slashes the guy with a knife. I mean, you can definitely tell it's different, but is that going to be something that's actually part of the story? Or is that like, a different type of ghost fact. Is it going to be somebody who is just a robber of the store just happens to be wearing a ghost face mask? The only re the only thing I had to say about that whole scene right there, a lot of people, a lot of like, you know, viewers saw that, well, ghost face doesn't like kill with a shot or a gun. I liked it. It's like the whole, the whole tagline, new city, new rules. I, I believe in that. Like, I like it. Because it's kind of like anybody gets in his way for what he's going after is going to fucking die. So just like any bystanders. So I mean, like this is a new, meaner ghost face with no set rules. Whoever gets in his way is going to die. And I mean, I think that's what this this franchise needs. It doesn't need to be like a a a, a line of people that die. I mean, like like whoever gets in their way is is dead. And um it's darker it's 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 just 
I think it's a fresh start, but a new fresh start, like a fresh start on steroids. I think that, like I said, this this ghost face is going to be a badass. And honestly, this is for the first time that I have no idea who the hell this is going to be. I have no clue who's going to be under that mask. If there's one or if there's two, um, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, what was it? Scream 3, there was only one killer. It was the brother. So on Scream 6, is there only going to be one dedicated killer or is there going to be a group of killers or is it going to be two killers? There's so many questions, but dude, I love this darker, dirtier, you know, just no holds barred. Speaking of ghost face, we're having like super high winds where we're from. And I literally just like, because <laughs> it sounded like someone was like beating out like, like a window. I was like looking outside. We're talking about ghost face. I'm over here like looking for ghost face. <laughs> 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 But I can't wait to see it. Yeah, we're only I can't I can't believe we're only like two months away. It felt like it was so far and then it just pops up and then we're we're just you know weeks away at this point. So it's yeah, crazy. if they do if they do this with a new ghost face movie or a new spree movie every year and just keep reinvigorating what he does and the new rules, different like I would be on board every single year for a new scream film if they keep it up with the way that they did with, with five and the way that this one looks as well. Yeah, well totally. Yeah. I can't wait for Scream, Kentucky. I can't wait for that version. (laughs) Waverly Hill Sanitarium, Ghostface. It's Dewey because he's like, you know, he's a ghost. Yeah, the thing is, is if you get Scream in Kentucky, it's going to be called Holler. (laughs) (laughs) That's the funniest thing. That's good. That's hilarious. All right, guys. Well, you know what time it is. We are doing our. Ghost face, ghost story, haunted house, you know, battle. So we want to go ahead and tell the films first, or do you want to just start kicking it off? How do you guys want to do it? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll just go ahead and describe the the first movie. We'll we'll talk about it, and then we'll just describe the second, talk about third movie. So go ahead, sorry. Since. The last episode, we decided that we were going to spin the wheel. We were going to have a wheel that was full of different genre topics. We spun the wheel. Whatever topic landed on, that's the topic that we chose to be this episode. And Tyler, your choice won. You chose Haunted House Films, which was basically anything that was the house being the – or a location being the haunted thing. Like it could be ghost movies. It could be possession. It could be any type of horror film as long as – the house or location is the main subplot of the film. And with that being said, you chose a classic horror film from from Dario Argento, which is the Suspiria. So go ahead and describe what Suspiria is to everybody. Absolutely. So Dario Argento has always been somebody that I've been like very aspired to be if I was ever a filmmaker. Um, he's inspired tons of people too. So his most well-known film is probably Suspiria. I mean, he's known for a lot of stuff, but the one thing that it always goes back to no matter what is Suspiria. And people adore this film and it has a remake at this point. You know, tons of merch, tons of people talk about it. I, I'm like a Suspiria collector at this point. I have every version. I have tons of t-shirts. It's just become a phenomenon. Um, So whenever we talk about films where like the house becomes the main character, that's pretty much Suspiria because Suspiria really doesn't have necessarily a very strong plot. It's very paper thin in terms of story. 
Yeah. And it's meant to be that way. I think it's meant to be something that's it's it's classified as a bona fide giallo film. A lot of people argue this, a lot of people will say it's not, but it's arguably a giallo film. And it does have that gloved killer. It has the lights, it has the you know, style of filmmaking, everything about it screams giallo. So for the sake of this, we're just gonna call it giallo. So pretty much I'll give you that. I'll right. give you that. I, I think I think it it qualifies as a giallo film. And this is something I think I think this movie is going to be a little bit of an agreement with me and you this time, Tyler. Hey. I, know, I know that this type of movie is not for Mike. He hasn't he doesn't really dive into this genre, really. And I know I, from talking to him at work, I think this is going to be a two on one against Mike movie. So, oh, no, Mike, um, that's my baby. Um, <laughs> so overall about Suspiria the house itself is a character and the way it is the 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 way it's shot it does feel very very architectural and the way the film ends the entire studio is on fire so just to t- so just to fast forward this we have Susie which is a american that is traveling to a dance academy she arrives there and immediately we're struck by this kind of like you know aesthetic that Dario Argento has put by it's it's literally there's wind there's rain she arrives very late and people start and basically essentially she starts meeting people she starts you know striving for for her dance career and people start getting picked off there's a little bit of you know subplot to that a lot of things happen it kind of goes witch movie um, it has very kind of like witchy vibes and by the end you know the entire place you know ultimately crumbles and that's something that i really really enjoy about it is when she stood there in front of it you see almost like the the studio itself kind of takes on this like giant kind of like standing building towering over her and when she enters it it's so mysterious um she's never truly accepted um she tries to you know to, to make men's but there's something really going on and you can tell something's very wrong. And whenever you see, you know, all the, the vision um, of what Dario put together, it makes complete sense the way the film ends and the place is on fire. So I really like the way he used visuals to storytell. It shows that you don't necessarily need to rely heavily on a plot. Um, you can just, you know, tell a beautifully told, almost like fairy tale like story um, through use of imagery and, it gets scary at times. Like there's a few moments, um, you know, especially like the, the whispering and like the way the sound design is and like the, that main score by Goblin. People love Goblin still today just for the score. It's so popular. So overall, I mean, it's definitely a film that is not plot heavy. I could see, I will say, I'm sitting here thinking right now, I could see. No, there's, there's really no plot. There's really no plot because as I was watching it again, because it's been a long time since I'd seen it. And this time around, I when the movie was done with, I thought, man, that was that was so simple. It is like, very simple. And if you um, if you really think about it, she if you if you go ahead and jump to the end of the film, she defeats the so-called, you know, the witches or, or whatever you want to say is, is going on there yeah. very easily. Um she pretty much is in her bed. She's been given medicine or drugs or whatever the entire movie. So she doesn't really know what's going on each night. And then she wakes up and she's like, 
I'm no longer going to be doing this because I know I'm being drugged each night. I'm going to go see what's happening in this house. I'm going to investigate it. Mm -hmm. Somebody told me you could follow footsteps. Okay. Oh, there's witches here. Okay. Stab movie done. What? Like <laughs> there really wasn't, I, I'm not saying this in a bad way. I really enjoyed the film. Um, I just, I think that story-wise and plot-wise, he didn't have anything. So I don't know if that was something because he was focused so much on the the visualization of the red and the, the, the greens and stuff for the, for the storytelling, as opposed to the actual story itself. We talk about cinema being like art. Mm. I think that that's definitely what Dario Argento had in mind with this. He, I know he didn't focus heavily on the plot because I don't think the, I think he, I've heard him talk before how the script didn't take him too long. It was more of the vision of the film itself. But, you know, the atmosphere um, he strove for really, really, really was great. And there was this one thing that I remember always is this was shot back in the 70s. Well, back in the 70s, they had, you know, color lights were very hot. And the entire thing was, you know, color light. So the fact that these actors, I heard that sometimes the set was like 100 degrees. So to know right then and there that using those color lights were going to make it so hot and so miserable to shoot. He obviously did this very intentionally because he wouldn't have like subjected himself to such a horrible, you know, shoot itself if it wasn't going to benefit the storytelling. So overall, yeah. you're hundred percent right. There's a very paper thin plot. It's like I said, like almost like fairy tale, like the way like Goblin does the score, the way it's shot, the way the atmosphere is when she's counting the steps, like whenever she like starts, remember like the moment where she like, started counting and going through, that was a super like intense moment. So it really does focus as well on like intensity and kind of like, you know, blood carnage, all this kind of like stuff that surrounds it, but not the plot. It's everything but the plot. Yeah. And it really doesn't know what it wants to be, to be honest, because you have the glove killer. Then you think, oh, well, it, is it going to be a glove killer, like a like a regular Jallo film, a slasher? Oh, no, this could be something supernatural. I think there might be ghosts related to this. Oh, no, they're talking about witches now, and there's witches in this house? What is going on? And you just don't really know what way he's wanting the film to go. And ultimately, I think it does help with the whole fairy tale feel, the whole weirdness that the film has, because it is so all over the place with a very thin plot. But the one thing that the movie does have going for it, and I think you'll agree with me on this, is the kills. And Argento is known for these style of kills too. Mm -hmm. But even that opening scene when the girl is stabbed and her, you see the knife going into her heart. Like it's cringeworthy. Like you really feel it. It feels, feels even though it's kind of dated a little bit with the effects, it still felt so real that it hurt. Like I was cringing, you know, watching it. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, her head hits that windowsill and you see it dripping down through the ceiling and the glass falls and it, the glass like lands on top of the other girl mm -hmm. that's standing there. And you see that the glass shards in her eye and her neck sticking out. And it just, it felt like the effect was really well done. And then you jump later on in the movie and you have the girl jumping into the razor wire area or falling into it. <clears throat> And that was something cringeworthy too, because you just know, like, if you think of you know, barbed wire fences or whatever, and and, and you I just barely touch, you barely touch one of those things. You know how bad those things fucking hurt. And just imagine an entire room full of that, and somebody just from up top just falls into it and just can't get out. It was uh, it was an intense moment for that, really. 
I want to say one more thing. I'm going to open up the mic because I'm really curious to see what he thinks about it. But one thing that I always have loved about Argento as well is the fact that it's not just experience. This is every single Argento film. He uses his own hand to kill. So every single shot in the movie has actors, but across every single movie he's ever made, the glove killer, the person that's the knife, that shot, that, you know, that signature Argento shot, that's his own hand. Um, and I think that's really unique. And he did talk a lot. They have, I mean, there's like film essays written like from people in film school about this and film theory about how it's really unique and interesting that Argento chooses to kill his victims and his films with his own hand. And that's something that I really feel like is profound in the art world of cinema, as well as just Argento's filmography, giallos. You know, it's just, it's just all kind of goes together with that. But with that being said, Mike, what's going on? All right. I I still don't know really know what I watched. Um, <laughs> I will start out by saying my head still hurts from the music. Um, if Brennan and Dale from Step Brothers took out his nutsack and hit it on the drum set, it would be better music. I I'm just saying. No, no, the music, what? no. Mu- the music, the music. It sounds like the show is about to get canceled. Banging like pots. It's just it's, it's this music this, is done by Goblin, which is a classic, classic horror listen, film. Listen, score. listen, at, listen. This is what I think. With no, all you didn't respect, listen to the music. No, no, the music have- is awful. Dude, the, the music is, is literally without. Okay, imagine watching Suspiria without any of the Goblin music. It would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be it would be absolutely amazing. I mean, if it was a silent film, I would have been more interested. No. Uh, but, but okay. So I will I will give some highlights. I will tell you this: there are some very interesting shots. I will give it that. But, I you could just YouTube it and save you some time and of, of the of the shots. Um, the editing is incredible, but as soon as something gets interesting, it like cuts to some moon or bizarre unrelated thing. It's really, it's just a weird movie. Maybe I need to watch it a few times to maybe get a better understanding of it. But me personally, I, I think the acting is beyond bad. I really do I think the acting's bad. Um, I think I, it's, it, it's, I have to disagree. I think, I think the acting on your end, you're seeing it at a different perspective because Italian films, and I know you haven't dived into this genre very much, but the audio recording for Italian films is always recorded separate and they dub well, their own voices. And it's, it, it makes it feel very awkward when you watch it. Like no, the yeah, voices yeah. Don't, and, and, and uh, yeah, no, I get that. I think you and I, we we've watched movies, and I'm I'm really bad with dubbed movies. Like it, all, I'm like I can't get interested. I can't get into it. Um, and I just feel like it's horribly dubbed. It it, it almost comes off that way. It, it it reminds me of Thomas Lacey. It's such a bad movie. If I put it into a person and a human, it'd be Thomas Lacey. No, but I just maybe I need to watch it. Um, I just. <laughs> 
the 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 lighting <laughs> you watch, and everything. You need to watch it again. You mean? <laughs> he said, "Maybe I just need to watch it." I'm like, "Yes, Mike. That's exactly what you need to do." I, 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 I need to rewatch it again. I I just what I saw out of it, just loud banging noises. The acting was not good. The editing was incredible. I will say that, but I feel like you could save yourself a little bit of time and just YouTube some of this movie. This is me. I which I agree on you with you all with a lot of the films. I I am just not seeing it. Um, I, me me personally, I don't know how this is considered a classic. Was not a fan. Dude. Oh my god, Mike! Listen, you Mike. these listeners, they are gonna kill you, Mike, because this movie. Is considered Dude. to be one of the all-time greatest Italian horror films. It could be the greatest Italian, but as an American film, this sucks. This, <laughs> oh this, my god! This is this is horrible. No, listen, this listen, is horrible. I, I can I'll give I can give Mike this. I will give Mike this. Okay, so Argento is an acquired taste, and I understand that. And sometimes you do have to watch a few of his films to really kind of understand what he's doing. If you're watching a film for the first time, you've never watched an Argento film, you've never watched a Giallo, let's say. I wouldn't start with the Suspiria. Yeah, you wouldn't start with that one. Watching Suspiria is like the ultimate kind of like Italian movie experience. It's something that you'd have to like really kind of almost develop. Just like, you know, people talk about sushi. You have to develop the taste for like fine wine. It's like it has to age. You have to understand. It's just, it does take time. And I'm not saying like if you watch this period a hundred times, you're all of a sudden going to like it. You may still hate it, but I'm just saying like sometimes that may help. So I would, I'm going to have to recommend Mike some Jello films. Cause I think that you should watch at least like three. And then if you still hate all the films by that point, you may just hate Giallo, but overall I could understand how at first glance, Suspiria could be kind of a, you know, not so great experience because it is it is Italian actors. None of them speak, and it is English. it is a little slow too. It is a little slow. The plot is paper thin, yes. And but uh, that, one thing I want to say, Mike, what about the so we we're doing house movies like we're doing like movies where the house kind of like is the main character. Did you at least get like the atmosphere from it? I yeah, I could, but I mean. What was it? I, now, there were some, like, disturbing parts of the movie. Um, what was it? There was a scene of the falling maggots or something like that. Yes. Was was that? So, oh, that was disturbing. God, I hate it. I well, forgot so, all no, about but, that. But, but here's like... the thing. But here's the thing. Like, there were some really good visuals. And, and, and I'm not saying the movie as whole. Like, maybe I need it. <clears throat> I have not seen many movies of this of, of this director. Um, or producer, or whatever the ind- individual that made this movie, I, I I can't say I have. So that's unfair for me to say all of his movies are trash. Can't say that because that wouldn't be fair. But this is probably the first film I've seen, and it's just it's really out there. It's we're really getting, out there. We are getting canceled so hard right now. Oh my god, Mike! <laughs> you, who? It's Dario Argento. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying the guy's <laughs> awful. I'm not saying that, but I am saying this movie sucks. <laughs> this movie sucks. I'm no, sorry, I, guys. I, I can understand, like, 
not liking it and being like, yeah, the more movie's slow and boring, but to say that it sucks, man, I don't under, I can't. I should, I should, all right, let me rephrase this. Let me, let me make it, let me sugarcoat it. It was very boring. Um, it was, it, it just was not my, my preference, I should say. So this time you said that we're going to be very, okay. So, you know, me, I've always loved Suspiria, right? Mm-hmm. You said, yes, yeah, Suspiria is good. You've always said like, yeah, it's good. It's solid. I haven't watched it in a while. And this time you texted me and said, I think we're like very aligned on this. I like this a lot more than I remember it. So yep. what do you think personally has changed from the times that you were watching it saying, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good movie. To like, wow, this is a very good movie. Uh, I think watching it as a kid, I think it was really the boring part to it. Like there was a lot of talking. There was a lot of stuff with the the ballet and everything that I did not like. I did not like when I was growing up. Watching it as an adult, those parts aren't really important to the film. And I focus more on the murder sequences with the... Um, the stabbing at the beginning opening was really cool this time around. I don't remember that happening. I'll, for some reason, I thought that was like in the middle of the film. And then watching it again, you know, it's at the beginning. Then you had the razor wire scene. The the maggot scene that Mike was talking about caught me off guard. I completely forgot about that. And I hate maggots. I absolutely disgusted by them completely. Just seeing them grosses me out. And I forgot all about it. And then it, it continued on for like a full like two minute sequence. And it was just in a very uneasy feeling that I got watching it. And that's what a movie's supposed to do. And I, I was trying to, I, I didn't get in full detail with Mike, but Mike told me about it. He was like, yeah, that maggot sequence. He's like, I hated it. And I thought, man, because you watch something that puts you in an uneasy feeling doesn't mean the movie's bad. I said, it did that on purpose because they know a lot of people hate maggots. So if you were in that situation and like maggots were falling on you, man, you'd be freaking disgusted by it. And that's what the characters were. They were disgusted by it. And so I kind of felt in the same same aspect as them. You know, I I was uncomfortable. I didn't like watching it because of that, but it, it's what it was supposed to do. And I think overall, I just enjoyed the film a lot more this go around than I had previous times that I watched it. Nice. I'm glad it's growing on you. I've, I remember just watching it the very first time and seeing the visuals and like the eyes, like looking at her through the apartment. I remember seeing that. I was like, man, this is feeling like very like atmospheric is all I could describe it as. And then you see the the scene where the hanging at the very beginning as well. Whew, that was beautifully done with like the yeah. pattern of the floors. So yeah, there's something just about the art um, of Suspiria that really holds like a close space in my heart. And if I was ever trying to like capture something that really felt, you know, fresh and like stylish but at the same time like disgusting and weird it's like Suspiria you know it's it's a little witchy it's a little culty it's a little you know it does get a little goofy it gets a little slashery it's giallo like so it has a little bit of like everything and I think that you know Argento does such a beautiful job with it yeah but like right it's not great well uh guys this will be my last podcast I'm <laughs> booted off the island <laughs> no, uh, um, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I appreciated all of the, I guess, what am I using? Artsy, you know, colorful. Like, it was cool. It was cool in that aspect. And maybe I need to watch more films to get a better idea. I maybe I, I'm just not 
super familiar with a lot of his movies. And maybe that's me being sheltered more towards like just your typical slashers and things like that. But I, this first go around, I wasn't a fan. I can't say it was the worst movie I've ever seen because it wasn't, but, um, well, Hey Mike, it's part of the trilogy. So hang tight on that. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm just saying like, like, it's just not fair. I just don't know much of what he, I mean, I've heard the name. It's just, if this is the first movie I've seen of him, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, like I, say, I, I would have to. I would have to be. I would have to be open. To yeah, see, I see know that this movies. is your. I know that this was your first go around into Italian films, and you've never dived into it at all. And even like researching, and I don't think you you're not familiar familiar with that side of of the genre at all. And this was not the film for you to start with. If I had to choose an Italian giallo film or Italian horror film to start with, I would not choose Suspiria. Um, but that being said, I really do like the film. But I thought I think the film itself ended abruptly. It it was something that I wish there was more of it. And I wish there was other parts of the film that wasn't there. I wish there was less of the ballet stuff, less of the instructors walking around you know down, up and down the stairs talking and more focusing on the end sequence because that could have been strung out to another 15 to 20 minutes and been a little bit better instead of her going to the room like following the footsteps going to the room and then just remembering somebody whispering the flowers or something the, the flower and then her looking at the wall and saying oh there's the flower i should turn it and then she turns it and opens up the secret door and like that was the easiest secret door for anybody to ever find and get into <laughs> it wasn't a secret yeah. um, <laughs> the secret door wasn't secret. no and also mike if you think about the um the music as well if you've seen on there you know like the echoey part of the music that it, it like sounds like somebody's almost talking you know, it's yeah. actually saying it's just kind of like a Friday the 13th thing where it's like kill mom. And it's like, so it does the same thing in Suspiria, which I think is kind of interesting because the entire movie it alludes to this, but you don't know it's witches until later on. But from the very get go, hmm. it actually is saying witch, 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 witch over and over and over again. That's yeah, why, that weird, that, that whispery. Yeah. 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 It's saying huh. the word witch repeated and like echoed. So like it tells you from the very beginning it's witches, but you don't know. I think that's kind of interesting. Huh. Mike's like, I actually hate it more now. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, 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 I can't, like, no, I can't, all jokes to that, I can't say I hated the film, but I just, this, as me viewing this for the first time, it was very different. Um, I mean, like I said, it's not the worst film I've ever seen. But as of right now, it's not high on my list. Maybe I need to see more and and to really appreciate this type of film. But, ah, man, it, and, it was... Well, it, 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 it is what and I was saying, Mike, there are three films in the franchise. Uh, there's this, Suspiria. The, the sequel was called Inferno. And the third one's called Mother of Tears. And... I really enjoy Inferno a lot more than I like Suspiria. It's always been my favorite of the three. And there's so much more to talk about with Inferno as well. So um, I think I'm interested because even the music is 10 times better in Inferno than Suspiria. So I think going forward, if you do, if we do jump back into Italian films, which I hope we do because I love 
some Italian films. And I, I want to see what Mike thinks about those, because if he doesn't like Suspiria, like what other movies that are classics is he not going to like? Well, I will There's say, you see my, my top three Argentos, Suspiria, Inferno, and Tenebrae. I think you're going to... Tenebrae is different. Um, Inferno yeah, kind of has the same vibe, though, as Suspiria. It is a good film. I think it's just as almost as good as Suspiria. Mother of Tears, on the other hand, not so much. But as like the two films, are, you know, Suspiria and Inferno, great films. But I would almost probably suggest... Tenebrae next to see Tenebrae, uh, trauma, Tra- yeah, um, fin- uh, opera. Opera is a really Ooh, good shallow. You may like opera, yeah, probably. I don't know. Phenomena, you might actually, you might actually like that too. I would just try, I would, I would, like I said, I would give it at least three, maybe not do Inferno next, maybe I'll do that. Inferno last, like third. Um, maybe I'll be we'll fair, get I'll you into that. it, Mike. We'll get you into it. We'll no, get you into it. Yeah. And maybe I need that. Like I said, I, this as my first film of 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 that is eh, it wasn't my it wasn't my favorite. So maybe I just need to get like you know worked into it and you know to really enjoy it and appreciate it more. Yeah, I think we started you off some, on the wrong batch. He needs some Lucio Fulci in his life. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Half by the cemetery zombie oh, dude, man. I'm telling you, I love Fulci just as much as Argento. Mike. Mike, we are going to open up your world of horrors to so much more stuff. Whether you like it or not, I don't know. I, I At least take judge. me to dinner first. All right. <laughs> Love it. Hit us with your rating, Mike. <laughs> He's like, "Gotcha." Ten out of ten. <laughs> no, I, I'm. I'm going to be. I'm going to get a hat. Like, I'm going to go a weird rating. I'm going to give it a four point five. I'm not going to give it a five okay. because maybe I just I, I'm not giving it terrible. It's not terrible. I just maybe need to. <clears throat> I, I give it a four point five. <laughs> okay, uh, you know what? I I was expecting a lot lower from you based off how you didn't like it. So I'm actually yeah. o- okay with that <laughs> that rating from you. No, um, four point five. As I was saying, because of the ending being abrupt, because of it being a little slow. Um, you know, there's so much stuff I do like about it, and it did grow on me from previous uh, years. Um, I give this film a seven out of ten. Nice. Um, I'm going to have to give it. You guys already know. You guys, I don't know why I'm even rating it. You guys already know. It's a, it's a ten. Easily. Yeah, I knew you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not a nine point nine. Even it is a solid. <laughs> I just couldn't imagine the other way. First off, I want to go on the record, and I think this is the first 10 out of 10 score we've had on our show. It is. It is. I've said it's as close to a 10 as it can get without being a 10, and that's as high as I've ever gotten, but this is my first true blue, I think, period, out of all three of us. This is our first 10. I think it's rightfully so. I think that, you know, Suspiria is just, it's so it's inspiring to filmmakers. It's, you know, it's so, it's so much, everything we said and more. It's just hard to put it into words. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most likely seeing Suspiria, but if you haven't, let me tell you, it's just, you have to just see it to believe it. And Mike can vouch for that. He loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I am speechless. That's a 21.5 of a a rating for us. So right now, Tyler, you're winning. Nice. All right. What you guys got? 
I have Hell House LLC. I am a huge, huge fan of this movie and the actual franchise. Um, I'll kind of give a summary of the Hell House LLC. It was made in 2015. Um, so basically, it's it's about five five. Uh, it's about a malfunction of a haunted house um, where there is de- uh, 15 tour go- goers die um, and staff. And then a film crew uh, return back to the location years later to do a story on this. Um, I think from the very get go as a kind of, what would I say? Um, found footage, um, documentary, um, first person enhanced, like, you know, video. I, I really thought it was well done. Um, it was one of these hidden gems. I never heard about it until, uh, Chris and I just randomly started picking scary movies and and we saw this and we picked it and we watched it. And, um, um, I just, it's, it's not a high budget film by all means. But I wouldn't really say it's a, a low, low budget film. It's kind of it, it's it's kind of in the middle. But um, I I enjoyed every aspect of this movie. Uh, every uh, for for the actors to be you know not very famous. Um, I thought the acting was done decently well. Um, I love the storyline. Um, there are three Hell Houses. I liked how everyone, I know I'm talking about Hell House, the original one, Hell House LLC, but I liked how they all went together. They flowed together um, with with the three. Um, I just, I, I guess I just don't want to go too much into this. Um, I, I like the creepiness. I like the uh, kind of um, the, the pop-up scare. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed the, the clowns that were in the house. I enjoyed you know, how you were first person kind of walking into a haunted house, you know, you, so you were there in the mix of the action walking through the house and kind of got to see firsthand on bits and pieces of the um, so-called malfunction, malfunction, which was really like basically demons coming up and and basically killing people, taking people to in, and killing them and keeping their their um, keeping these individuals at the hotel forever. They like they, they were never leaving. They they wanted to add to the hotel. So um, I I really enjoy this. There's nothing I can say that that's bad about this. Like I said, I'm a huge fan. I, I just I don't know. I I would like to hear what you all have to say, and then I'll go a little bit more in depth with like you know why I love this. So this movie did a really good job at being a realistic documentary. When I first watched the movie, I, I generally thought that it, I was, I was like, Oh man, I actually picked out a documentary movie to watch instead of an actual film. Like that's what, cause I hadn't seen a trailer or anything. I really thought we picked a documentary movie and it turns out to be an actual film. So it was actually well done at that. It tricked me. It got me, it got me confused. And to be honest, we've, we've talked about this movie, or we've at least mentioned it on the show before. This is one of the few movies that legitimately scared me the first time I watched it. I watched it alone, in the dark, at night, by myself, you know. And 
I was really scared. The there's a sequence where there's these three clowns that they uh, that make appearances throughout the film. There's a couple moments where they kind of pop up and they move by themselves. The camera catches oh, yeah. it quickly, quickly off guard. And the entire time you're with it being in that, you know, found footage style, you're looking in the background. You're, you're trying to find things that move or things that happen or hear things. And the entire time I'm watching this by myself, I am intrigued. And I'm like looking over my shoulder thinking I'm hearing something. I'm, and then seeing the clowns on film, I was legitimately scared by this movie. And that has not happened to me in a very, very long time because it is very hard as an adult, as a horror fan adult, to be legitimately scared by a film these days. And so I give this film great props for being able to have such an atmosphere to terrify me at the age of 35. Like that's hard for something to do. And it, it did it. I, I wanted to interrupt before Tyler's opinion. It's not even just the clowns that do the, it, it, that doesn't even do its justice to me because it, it it's little things that, like you said, the head would move and supposedly the heads can't physically move because they're like statues. They're dummies, but the heads can't move and they're moving. And the, and the bodies are like actually moving. They're walking and moving. Another thing that there was a scene where one of the, um, uh, one, I forgot, forgot the, the guy's name. I think it was um, Paul. He was kind of the jerk, the, the, the guy joked around a lot, which was very yeah, like Paul in, in consider- so he was in the bedroom filming, like it, and and it was very quick within the movie. Sarah, it was like in the background. He was like, "Hey, what what's up, Sarah?" And she just kind of walks off. And then, like, it goes back to Paul again, kind of recording himself. And it's same thing. She's kind of standing in the door frame, and he looks back, and he's like, "Hey, can I help you? Or are you okay?" Doesn't say anything. Then the third time, he kind of like he's waking up. I guess he's like in the middle of the night, and he's just. He, he wakes up from mid-sleep, and there's, there's like, a demon, a, a zombie, whatever you want to say, dead person, sitting in his room. And he looks back, and he's like, oh, shit, oh, shit. And he covers up with his, like, you know, his, his sheets. And I mean, like, at that moment, I was terrified because then he uncovered, the sh- like, his face from the sheets, and he looked over, and, like, it's the head's just, it's just staring right at him. And just me talking about that, that that gives me goosebumps. That gives me chills. And then he covers back up, and next thing you know, he's like, he hears something. But I think he thinks that the 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 zombie or the demons walking out of the room uncovers itself again. Boom! Right there in the face, in, in his face. And um, that that like to me as a scary like as a horror fan, that frightened me. And, and the the clowns moving by themselves. And there was another part of this movie, I could talk about this all day, where they were doing a walkthrough of the haunted house. And there was this like strobe lights. And they had these clowns like in a hallway. And he says, hey, man, we're doing a test call. We're going to do these flat, like the strobe lights. Just let me uh, tell me how the effect is. He's like, and and, uh, the Paul guy's like, yeah, deal. Absolutely. And the strobe lights are going on and off. And in the middle of the strobe lights, he's like on the microphone or on on, on the walkie talkie. He's like, how, how many clowns are supposed to be here? And they're like, uh, three. He's like, uh, okay. He's like, are you sure? And like, if, and it will freeze frame it. And it's like, the clowns are moving. And it looks like four or five of them. 
and the, and like originally they were like peeking out of the door frames or peeking out by, over top of the bar. Well, hell, like when it's like strobe lighting, these individuals, these clowns, are actually in the middle of the hallway. And dude, that's that's frightening <clears throat> to me. That was frightening. Yeah, and one of the it's not just the clown parts either. Like you were saying, there is a whole sequence where they wake up in the middle of the night. And the place that they're filming at is it looks like a legitimate abandoned place. It, it looks like the place is falling down and everything. So that itself in the dark is kind of creepy. But you hear this mute like the piano playing. And it's this really just unsettling song that's just playing over and over on, on the piano. And they're making their way down the stairs saying, who's doing that? Where's that coming from? And the cool thing about it, and most movies wouldn't do this, but as they're getting closer to the piano, the music is getting louder and louder. And most most movies would just, it would be the same tone throughout until they got to the room and then it would cut away. But this one, like the music got louder and louder and you're you're intrigued. You're getting closer to, you know, you're leaning closer to the TV. You're trying to look down the hallways when they're moving down the hallways to see what you see. They enter the room and you hear one last piano key and there's nobody there. And you're just like, you're trying to look while they're trying to look. And it's just, it's so unsettling. It's just so creepy. I love this movie. And like you were saying, we just chose this movie to watch randomly with not knowing anything about it. It was a hidden gem that we knew nothing about. And I'm so glad that we found this film. I agree. I mean, same with you guys. Um, you guys have really said everything um, the way I feel about this. And Mike really had an excellent pick um, with this one because out of the atmosphere that it builds in the, the haunted house is absolutely terrifying. Um, I had a similar experience with like Chris had um, actually when I watched this because I knew nothing about it either and it was like 3 a.m. and I was in bed and I was just kind of flipping through. This was back in like 2017 and not many people had really started talking about it yet because it was under the radar. It hadn't really been discovered. It was just freshly on like Amazon or something streaming. So I click on it because it was one of the recommended movies and whatever that kind of format of film a mockumentary horror it really has a lot of stereotypes and tropes that they typically follow this one didn't have any of that this one was like completely original and fresh and there's something about predictability of these kind of films and let me tell you guys i couldn't predict what was gonna happen next at any given time it was completely original completely built around an atmosphere that was terrifying um and we talk about like you know houses that become the main character a lot of the times like obviously we do see news coverage we see people outside of the house but about 80 percent or more of the movie takes place inside the haunt and these people the the guys are all you know trying to build this haunt i'm at the abaddon and you just kind of see all around kind of like the the atmosphere they're building and to me, just like you guys, the main star of the movie was the clown. The the, the what, does he have yeah. a name? I thought he had a name, and he called him something. And he it, has like a was... black and white outfit on. God, what? Um... Why do I say it's puddles? You know, why you <laughs> saying that? I don't think he has a name. He doesn't have a name. Oh, they started calling him something throughout the movie. I don't know, but just like you guys were saying. It was terrifying whenever they, they put him in this basement. So it, it was basically the film is in a place called the Abaddon Hotel for someone who hasn't seen this. And 
it's set up just like a house, even though it's a haunt. It's set up just like an old like house, hotel, boarding lodge or something. It has a basement. The basement is creepy as shit. Let's just be honest. It was a creepy-ass basement. They put the clowns yeah. in this creepy-ass basement, which was scary enough as it was. And whenever that one girl was sitting down halfway through the movie and just like hanging out, I was like, oh, well, you're going to be over there. And then um, this, you're going to be tied up. And then when the people come down, you know, they're going to have to walk past you guys and you're going to scream. And then the camera flies, like, like does a like, shot where it's like going away. And then it comes back and the clown they had set there in stage is staring oh, yeah. down. And the one time I jumped more than any other part of the movie is whenever they're at, I forgot what it was, it was like this dude was at the, I forgot the guy's name because it's been a couple of weeks since I've watched this, but um, it was like at the end of the stairs. And when he was at the end of the stairs, he like was standing there and turns. And when he turns, that clown, the guy we're talking Look about, is oh. face to face with him. And it absolutely, that I've never, I okay, to be honest, I have never jumped so hard in a movie. Like I've yeah. seen so many horror movies. I have never been that startled by a shot completely out of the blue, unexpected. It was scary. It is truly, truly a horror movie. Like this is like scary stuff we're talking about. And to, to yeah. be produced by a studio that's notorious for not necessarily making great movies. I mean, no, no shade, but you know, it's not necessarily from a, you know, a well-known studio. <clears throat> this is kind of like their pride and joy. Hell House. It's become an entire franchise because I think just like the three of us, people are watching this and they're seeing this and they're noticing all these like great things about it that was completely unexpected. No advertisement. There was no hype. We just turned it on one night and there it was. And that's exactly what people love about it is the unpredictability. And that being said, like, it's it's beautifully done. I mean, it's just the atmosphere is just incredible. I mean, well said. I mean, honestly, I, I well said. There's nothing, there's nothing really I could say badly about this film. Um, it, it, it even from the beginning to the middle to the end, um, I liked how they tied things in. I know in the beginning when they were doing the walkthrough, they were doing the first set of guests walking through the house and the, and uh, the, I think it was the Sarah character ran through the hallway. And then the one, the Joey, the guy that was actual physical human body by the fake clowns downstairs ran through the hallway while they, while the uh, uh, haunted house uh, guests were walking through. That was actually leading to the end. You know what I'm saying? That, that was actually the ending, but the beginning, the beginning of the end, however you want to look at it. And I loved how they tied that together because in the beginning, yeah. like Sarah, Sarah ran upstairs and that girl looked over in the camera, the guy that was filming for the YouTube and he, he, she looked and said, was, is that supposed to go on? And it was, they were running from the basement because that was the beginning of the end, you know? And I was like watching that. And then when it showed the end of Sarah running and those like oncoming, like guests, I was like, Holy shit. That was in the beginning, you know, like, it it was just it was just really well done. So many jump scary scenes. I get so <clears> excited <throat> about this film, um, and, and I I just I, there's nothing bad I can say about this. And I loved all three of them. The first one, obviously, to me, is the best. But yeah, the second the second one I really enjoyed. The third one would probably be my least favorite, but I still enjoyed it. 
Um, and I'm excited about the prequel that is about to come out. Um, or when it, I don't know if there's an official date yet, but I am I am all I'm all ready for it. Um, so huge fan of Hell House LLC. I was telling Lax this, Tyler. I mean, all time favorite is like I'm a huge Halloween fan, Scream franchise fan. But I'm telling you, Hell House LLC is in my top five. I mean, it's just a hidden gem. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I I myself really love Halloween like centered films as well, especially like Hans. Chris never likes Hans that much. Um, and I'm always just like you know I love I love Hans and stuff. So it's just like something about the atmosphere built around them, especially as a film. And I have you watched Houses October built? Yes, yes loved it. yeah, yeah, loved I didn't it. like it. I, Chris didn't like it. Um, but, see, I think that I there's it. something about it that's like. It's fun because what makes it really fun to me, I'm trying to like really put my finger on exactly what it is. So I'm not necessarily saying this is like great storytelling here, but there's just like an atmosphere it builds. There is a kind of like aesthetic to it that you can really respect because it's like so everybody like has went through a haunted house. You know what I mean? So mm. we talked about like that movie Hellfest that came out a couple of years ago. Not a great movie, but it still was fun. You know, we have, you know, Houses October, but not a great movie, but it was still was fun. Hell House LLC may be the pinnacle because you know what? It didn't just have a great atmosphere and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't only just very fun, but it was a good story. And that's what really makes yeah. this great. Um, one thing I will say, um, Mike, is I wasn't really a big fan of the second or the third one. Um, there was something about the second and third that's one. Fair. I know we're not like talking about that one necessarily in this episode, but there was something everything I loved about the first one, the second and third kind of like took away. Like it, it was it instead of like unpredictability. One hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like everything about the first one that made it unique and interesting <laughs> and like unpredictable. The second one, I could spot the ending a mile away. The third one, the ending was really not that great either. And um, I think that the newest one, that's a prequel, did show great promise. I will say, I think. Yeah. That was yeah. So we'll yeah, see. I'm going to go ahead and say this because this movie managed to do the one thing that most horror movies try to do and always fail legitimately scare me. I give this movie a 10 out of 10. No, I I, I was same here. Now I'm not, I'm not talking about two or three, but just, just hell house LLC. It hits all levels. Uh, I mean, from no big name actors to middle grade budget film, I thought with everything they had to work with, I thought it was perfect. I just don't think there was a a huge miss. I, I was terrified watching this movie, even rewatching this. I still get a, a like the hairs on my neck will stand up just from like maybe somebody's like behind me, like it feels really odd, and it's kind of like I, I feel like a kid. I sometimes cannot watch this by myself at night like I, I just can't with all the lights out it's a creepy feeling so me personally i mean this i can't believe i'm rating it higher than halloween movies because i love halloween movies but <laughs> i'm not i'm, I'm going to be i'm going to be weird again i'm going to get a, 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 a half series i'm going to give it a 9.5 because i love it that much and if i'm not going to rate halloween 10 i'm not going to rate hell house llc 10 but I do give this a 9.5, and that's my highest rating that I've ever given a scary movie. Wait, do, are you talking about the original Halloween? 
No, no, just Halloween's in general. Oh, okay. Just, I thought like, you were just, saying no, the original yeah, no. Halloween was your favorite series, but you wouldn't read it at ten. No, like, wait, no, no, what? no, just <laughs> no, no, just Halloween's in general. Like, I, like I said, I think the highest rating Halloween God was probably the original second one. Uh, that's my favorite of all time. The how the hospital. Yeah. Um, and I and I rated I rated that a nine. So I'm rating Hell House LLC a a nine point five. Nice. All right. Well, um, I would probably give, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you guys on the Hill House LLC. I'm a little lower on the rating. Um, but overall, you know, we, we all know that the three of us think this is absolutely fantastic. It's among some of our favorites and most unexpected films. So I would give it an eight. But that being said, Solid. it was way, I thought I was going to walk into it giving it a three. And I'm sure you guys thought maybe like, oh, you know, I'm going to give it a three or four. It's probably not going to be that great. And I'm pretty sure everybody is just that shocked that it's, you know, an eight plus film. So yeah, very fair ratings. Very good. Yep. So that's a 27.5 for the score. Um, The only thing like this movie, like I would say managed to scare me. Every single horror film aims for that. Every single horror movie tries to do that. It tries to scare you as much as it possibly can and for most horror fans it doesn't work you're either it either comes off really stupid or it comes off funny or most of them are just they're just fun you know even though that some people are scared by them the majority of regular horror fans are not scared by movies so the fact that this movie managed to do that it automatically gets i mean it's the one film it's, that's the one thing that I I want a film to do. I want to put a movie on at you know two or three o'clock in the morning, and not be able to sleep at night because of it. Like that that is a good feeling for me. I know that people might find that ridiculous, but that is a good feeling, and it managed to do that. And that's the reason why I'm giving this such a high score. Nice. And, and just real high quick, score, we... I'm shocked by that. Still, ten was crazy. Oh yeah. And just a real quick, I wanted to add this with the, the Hell House, because like I said, I could talk about this movie all night, but it, it was almost like it was effortless on the scare. Like, it, it's like they didn't try hard, but I was terrified. It just seemed like it smoothly went together very effortlessly. Like, it just, it was well done. And I mean, like, I I can't, I can't say anything bad about it. I wish I could rate, I want to rate it a 10, but I've just never given a movie a 10. So, like, it's just perfect to me. It really is. It's a great film. Nice. That is Hell House LLC. We'll have to see what comes next. What you got, Chris? All right. So, immediately, as soon as you chose this topic, or the, the wheel chose the topic for Haunted Houses, I had to go with one of my personal favorites, and it is the St. Francisville Experiment. And this was made in the height of found footage era this was right after the Blair Witch Project came out this was I believe in 2000 when the film was uh, was released and it is about a group of not really like not actors that the movie is built around that to where four people who are not actors are hired to go into this haunted house in uh, St. Francisville Louisiana it's called the Myrtles Plantation and they're going to document their experience of walking through this house and spending the night in it. And that's basically the plot of the film. It's a very simple plot. And the movie at the beginning of it, now this is where it gets a little tricky because there's actually technically two versions of this movie. And the version that 
I'm familiar with is the one that was released on the VHS, on the DVD, in theaters. And at the beginning of the film, it's got the producer uh, and the he's the writer of the film. Um, he comes up and he says, we took these actors, we we gave them equipment and we said, go inside the house. You're locked in for 24 hours. Everything that you are about to see is 100 percent real. And that's what really sold it on me whenever I was growing up. Um, I mean, I, I absolutely loved the Blair Witch Project. It was one of those movies that that scared me as well, like Hill House did it. I'm still there's still moments of Blair Witch that terrify me to this day. Um, but it was it was around that era when I watched it and they said that it was real. They were claiming that everything that was happening was was real. So I was already intrigued. I was hooked. And then the house itself is a very creepy, creepy house. And I know that if I was to go inside that house, I would be scared. And there would be a lot of things I didn't want to do. And so these actors definitely well, I called actors definitely sold it as a creepy and unsettling place. Um, now, the only thing is, is like I was saying, there are two versions of the film. And so one version is a PG-13 version, which is the one I'm familiar with. And these actors go into the house, they, they document what they see, and they try to cleanse the house. That's what they have to do. They're supposed to be there to cleanse the house. And during the time that they're there, you see three to four different types of paranormal activity sequences. And then they try to cleanse the house and they are attacked by some unknown force. And then the movie ends. And then it tells you about the after effect about what happened to them real quickly. And you're just led to believe that everything that you saw is real. And I, I liked that about the film. I thought that was all entertaining to me. And we chose, I wanted everybody else to it's not a, it's, not a known movie it's not a known movie at all and so i wanted you guys to see this to see what you guys think and we pull i pulled up the film on tubi to watch it and all of a sudden there's this whole new entrance like intro to the film and i thought what what the hell is this this isn't the movie that i watch it's completely different i said that's that's the same guy it's a different intro and i because i i knew that immediately because i had seen this movie so many times and there's entirely different scenes throughout the whole movie the ending is completely changed in the pg-13 version so the version you and mike watched on tubi is completely different and i really wish you guys could have seen the pg-13 cut because i think it is a far it's a more superior version of like i really like both films but i think because of the the pg-13 film there's a, a few things that they take out of the movie that tightens everything together like there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of dialogue that i think was unnecessary in the extended cut and they take a lot of that out and then they added a lot of stuff that was more theatrical based um if that makes sense theatrical made versions and i actually liked that ver that version more than i liked the version on tubi um, I was just so confused at how many different cut, like the, at the different cuts of this film, and you get an already cut with more. They they take scenes out that you know I was expecting to watch these scenes. And I was like, "Where's this scene at? It seems not there." I specifically remember this scene happening. Like I thought I was going crazy for like the first like thirty minutes of the movie. I was like, "What movie am I watching?" Uh, but I wanted to know what you guys thought of it, and and I'm hoping you guys liked it. I know that that version is completely different than what I'm used to, but I hope this isn't. I hope it doesn't kill 
your all's thoughts of the film because you watched a different version than I'm that I have. How do you um before I even say anything about that, I was kind of curious, like, is the version that you watch, is it super out of print or are you still gonna get it somewhere? Like is it still like a... Well, the version I have is a DVD version. It is let me get this down here real quick. Um, so it was put out by Trimark Home Entertainment. Mm-hmm. That was the company that released it on DVD and the VHS as well. That's the version I'm familiar with. And I know that the, there there is a different DVD of it now. And I think it's the same company that made the, that has the Tubi version of it. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know. I, I think this, if you get this copy here, like the, the blue background with the, uh, with the house in it, I think that's the one that's the PG-13 cut. And that is the one that I recommend watching. I like it better, but I, 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 I like the one on Tubi just because it's different from what I'm used to. So it's cool to see these extra scenes and these different versions tied to a film that I've already really liked to begin with. But what do you guys think? What do you guys think of the movie without going into the whole different cut version? Cause you have only seen the, the R-rated cut. Yeah, so the version of the movie that I seen, I can only speak to that. Um, I do want to see the version you have because it sounds like it may be, you know, I may like that one better. But <sighs> see, the thing is, if I that you watch this right before, you know, we have you know high speed internet, we have access to all of this, you know, modern technology. We've seen so much more um, ghost story wise. Found footage has been exhausted by this point, so. Taking that into account, I'm watching this, you know, many, many years after. Um, and I'm I could see how it worked back in the year like you know, 2000, how that would have been an exciting like time to watch this. So it probably holds a lot of value for you that I couldn't see in it. Because for me, what it was, it seemed like one of those it, just like I said, it seemed like one of those movies I would have probably enjoyed, like the Blair Witch Project. You know, I kind of enjoyed that movie when I kind of make my mind go back to, you know, a time before high-speed internet and people thinking it was real and it actually happened and getting, like, you know, the letters from, you know, all the kids, you know, wishing their mom well. So, like, knowing, like, the lore that surrounded that time that the St. Francisville experiment came out, I can respect it and I can, I can see why people would like it. To me, watching it this year... It didn't have any of that charm at all that I feel like it may have had one at one point. Um, I felt like it was watching a very dry version of like ghost adventures or ghost hunters. It just kind of seemed like, you know, I've seen I've seen it done better, I've seen it many times before. It's just it just didn't feel like it didn't feel like a film that was aging very well like i should say like i I feel like it was a film that if you watch it fresh off you know the cutting room floor and it had just been finished you know that'd be like oh my god this is insane but today it doesn't work it just doesn't feel like it holds up i will say this there's more stuff that happens in the pg-13 version really yeah it seemed like it moved very the, the it's the verse I watch. It moves like super super slow. It feels like, and it's not a long movie. Yeah, like a little over yeah. fifteen minutes, right? And it's so it's a, it's like it's literally like an episode of Ghost Adventures with fifteen minutes added on. But it feels like it goes on for like four hours. Like it's just like, oh my gosh, we get it. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, just go ahead, Mixer. 
Oh no, no, no. I I am going to agree with you both. I I I think I like the film, but I think I would have liked it more when if I would have watched it's kind of like similar with Lax, uh, maybe right around the Blair Witch or maybe ten years ago. I I thought the film was a little slow. It it took a while for it to lead up to anything. It's basically just a bunch of people running around the house trying to find clues or, you know, do uh, paranormal investigations. Um, I could not stand the free, um, the one character, the, the what was her name? Uh, was it Ryan? Ryan? She was a Ryan. Okay. She was absolutely annoying. Um, but the ending was cool. It, 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 it fi- finally something happened. The the chair getting thrown in the attic was like it kind of made you jump. I jumped at that part because I wasn't expecting it because it was kind of slow leading up to that point. You're like, oh shit, that chair just got thrown. Um, the cool little like finds like the one individual I forgot the guy's name, but it, he went into the closet and found the little door and he found like an existing another hallway, but basically another addition to the home. I thought that was cool. Um. But I thought I I thought it was missing something, or maybe I just watched this film at the wrong time. Um, so I, I will I will agree with Tyler on that part. I think maybe I would appreciate it more, or maybe I need to see the other film to really really like it. But it was just okay. It was one of those movies. It's kind of forgettable, uh, but maybe I just need to see more of it. Hundred percent agree. I mean, if I if I think back to it, I was on paper. See, on paper, it seems like it's going to be great. So, like, if you yeah. just like read the plot, or if you just like see the characters, it's going to be in it. Like, it seems like it's going to be a really interesting, riveting, you know, intriguing film, or it's going to be scary as hell. You know, you're thinking like when you read, like when you hear about like what it's about, or just like hearing Chris set it up, it sounds like it could be like Hell House LLC. Like, it's like oh my god, you know, this is going to be yeah, it'd be terrifying. Then you actually get there, and I just feel, and the way it was shot also just was very like, I guess you would say it's just ugly. I don't know, like, like the way it was shot just yeah. seemed very, very. And I, I've seen a lot of shot on video things, but um, this really just seemed like it was somebody picked up like the camcorder and just with their friends said like, "Hey, we have a couple hours to kill," kind of thing. I don't know. And that's what it's supposed to be because it's these people aren't actors they're supposed to be hired to go in there with their equipment they don't know that they're given at the beginning of the movie they're given you know techniques of how to use the equipment because they've never used it before so they, they're not supposed to yeah he tells me like this is an emf detector this is this this is this this is how you use it and that's why they i mean it's it's supposed to be where they don't know anything about what they're doing. They're just hired to go in there. So that's not somebody, they're not actors acting to the sequences of what's going on. And I think that's what makes it more real. But so is it, so it was really said like, like telling them. Well, like, here's the, like, here's a little bit about the, the making of the film. So the <clears throat> movie was actually made to be 100% real. It was that these people were not actors. And still to this day, some of them are not, are not actors. And they were hired to go in and they, they were going to spend the night and they were going to document their cases. And they were going to be given, you know, a clue to like which rooms to go into and explore. And there was a few things that was going to be rigged to happen. And they were going to capture their legit reaction to these things. And there was a lot of issues 
on set with the between the producers, uh, stuff like that that happened that made this movie not as not as good as what it could be. And I mean, I I love the film, and I don't know if it has to deal with nostalgic to it or like the time that I watched it, but I think it is a really well made movie uh, to to get that realistic tone of a film. And I mean, maybe it could just be the version that I'm watching too, the original PG-13 cut that helps. But um, when I turned on Tubi and I saw the different cut, like there's a scene in in the Tubi version that has a campfire scene where they're talking to this old man at the campfire. And it's about a five minute scene of him telling a story about the house and the property and family there. And then it's a weird too, because he's like, if you go down to this house and snoop around, you're all damn fools. And it's just it that scene didn't work. But that that entire scene is not in the PG thirteen version. So when I saw that, I was like, "What is this?" And so I mean, it's weird to think that they would have this that in the cut because it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. I, I think the PG thirteen version. It knew what it was doing. Like the editor knew what they were doing. It took out all the stuff that was wasn't necessary, and made a more tight, uh, creepy film for it. And I, I really want you guys to see to see that to see that version. But I was so intrigued by by this this other cut because it was nobody knew about it. Like it's not online or anything like that. Saying hey, there's two versions of the film. Come see both of them. I was like, what's going on with this? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to to the writer of the film. So I got in contact with the writer. I, I was talking to him about, you know, what was going on. And he was unaware that there was two cuts. He had no idea. And he said, as far oh. as I know, there's only one cut of the movie. And so he said, give me, give me a day, give me a call and we will discuss this film. So I, I called him up. I talked to him. He gave me a lot of information about the making of the film with the issues with the producers um, issues with you know just trying to get the movie made and I, I I really want to go into those details but here's the thing guys the writer of the film has also talked about being interested in doing our podcast being on it and talking with us about the making of this film and he's very excited about wanting to do this and I I, I I don't want to get everybody's hopes up because there's a possibility, you know, of it not happening, like like everything. But he seems interested. He wants to talk about it. He wants to explain all the details about the making of the film. <clears throat> so I think I would like to save all the behind the scenes stuff for that if that happens. And then if it doesn't end up happening, we can always talk about it afterwards or whatever. But I think it'd be really cool to have him on the show and to hear his take and his experiences with working on the St. Francisville experiment. I think that'd be a good idea. I really do. Yeah. And I think because, it's because the way you're talking about it, um, Chris, it's just like it, everything you're saying didn't translate to me. Like I, I didn't get any, like, like the idea of like, you know, these are just hired people. They're not actors. They, they didn't know how to use the equipment. They had to be told. It makes it more of like an interesting, I feel like, behind the scenes story now um, than even the, this film. Because if somebody's just like, okay, if somebody's just casually watching Tubi one night or somebody's just, you know, finds a DVD at a thrift store or something somewhere and they just pop it in, I just feel like today it didn't age very well. But the St. Francisville experiment really thrives, it seems like, maybe, on the fact that, you know, 
it's behind the scenes story you know the way it was shot so and it sounds like you have a lot of stories as well um that he's already told you so hopefully he can make it on because i think that that would make more even a more interesting conversation about it because the thing is is that there's probably a lot of things that's happened that you know we don't even know about so yeah i'm down i'm looking forward to it yeah hopefully he can do it yeah so uh, it's i'm curious at what you all have a rating for it because like I said, you are coming in only with one version, but me having nostalgic to it, me knowing the two different versions and being able to compare them, um, I, I'm going with the with the version I, I'm more comfortable with, the one that I like the most, which is the PG-13 cut, and I give the film a 6 out of 10. Go ahead, Mike. Okay. Uh, I, I guess I feel like I'm kind of being unfair because I haven't seen the other version. So, if you're describing this as completely different, then uh, I, I guess maybe we could come back and rescore this after I see this. But the version that I saw was a little slow. Um, there were some good points, good parts in it, but it just kind of left you hanging, I felt, um, wanting more. Um, so, I, I gave... I gave it a I, same thing. I gave it a five. I, I, I wasn't great, wasn't terrible. So, but it's still an unfair score. If there's another version out there that's the the true version, I don't know which one's the the right one to watch or not to watch. But I gave it a five. So based off of what I've seen, um, I'm just gonna, I'm going to read it off the version that I watched, um, in hopes that maybe, like you said, if we ever get to see the other version or maybe hear the story of the other version, I may enjoy you know hearing about that more. But just based off of the film, without anything, you know, no no disclosure, no preconceived notion of what I think it might be, um, just what I saw, um, I would have to give it, to be fair, I would have to give it a 3 out of 10. And that's just because not knowing the story about the actors or not knowing how to use the equipment or knowing about a different version, just seeing the film itself, that's what I would probably that's that's where i would stay with it again watching this back whenever chris had seen it i may be right online with chris because i i loved whenever i first watched blair witch whatever before you know technology is what it is today when i was really young i watched blair witch and it scared me so i understand like the where chris was coming from with this 100 percent. i'm right there with you it's just now it's just that i had it just so happens that i seen it you know way after the fact and it just didn't work the way it probably once did and that's like a shame for it but like that's where it is with me right now yeah so i will give you guys the copy the dvd copy that i have i will let you all watch it and if your all's rating changes we can talk about it on a future episode and that's fair and yeah so we'll go from there we'll it actually we'll goes down everything now <laughs> it's like it's actually no one <laughs> yeah yeah uh i rated it a five it's actually a point five it's terrible <laughs> that's the worst alternate version i've ever seen of a film it's almost as it wasn't even real <laughs> i honestly think you guys will like the other version better all right fair enough where are you at again yep. with your um where are we at with the points on this one um, I gave it a six. Mm-hmm. Mike gave it a five, and you mm-hmm. gave it a three. So that is uh, eleven, fourteen. 
You lose. <laughs> Loser. Wait, what did what did Mike get again? I think he's the winner, isn't he? Yeah, he had like a twenty seven point five or something. Jesus, wow. So there is only a total of 30 points that you can get. And out of the 30 points, Hellhouse LLC has gotten a 27.5. That's, that's pretty damn good. That's the highest score I've ever given. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, honestly, it's well-deserving. I, I mean, think it, it should have been Suspiria, but whatever. And it's it's strange, too, because <laughs> this is the first episode that a movie has gotten a 10 out of 10 rating from someone. And now in the same episode, there's two separate films that both have a 10 out yeah. of 10 rating. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's true. That's that's crazy. It's strange. Uh, but that makes Mike the winner. Um, so Mike is the lucky one. So whenever we spin the wheel for our next topic for next episode, um, that you know, we get to take out the haunted house. Mike gets to replace the haunted house topic with a new topic of his choice. All right, guys, we are back and we're ready to spin the wheel. Um, Originally on the wheel, we had the House of Horrors, which is a topic we just did this episode. And Mike was the winner with a 27.5 rating for Hell House LLC. He has chosen to replace the topic of House of Horrors with possession films. So now on the wheel, we have a possible uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine topics to choose from. We will spin the wheel and uh, see which one is going to be the episode, next episode's topic. We have to choose from ghost stories, vampire flicks, found footage, possession flicks, clown town, films from the year you were born, dark comedy horror, werewolves, and shark attack. So a lot of really cool topics there that we could possibly have. And Tyler, go ahead and spin the wheel. Here we go. Here we go, fellas. What's it gonna be? That's kind of crazy because we just chose two films that were found footage. I know. This so we're gonna be you know, swimming in found footage. At this, hey, this is exciting. That's a good. That's a good topic. Yeah, yeah it's I'm, a I'm really excited. good topic. Nice. Well, we appreciate everyone for tuning in this week. We have some really, really cool stuff lined up, don't we, guys? Yes, we do. And, yes. and not only do we have what I was talking about of the possibility of having um, the writer on from St. Francisville Experiment, we have some other cool things we're not really going to discuss right now. We are working on, and it is really, really big, guys, really big news and we cannot wait to share this information once we have everything a little more concrete. Yes. Once again, thank you guys so much for <laughs> listening. Um, feel free to subscribe, comment, everything. Um, interact with us. Let you know what. Let us know rather what you think of our episodes. And um, we're excited. So, peace. We'll see you. Absolutely, guys. Thanks, everyone. See ya.